0: Spending time with her husband, friends, family, including her 12 grandchildren. In her spare time, she connects and celebrates with the women involved in motorsports, taking you behind the wall about their journey of life, racing, and how they juggle everything to make it all work. Welcome to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Strap in, window nets up, the pedals are down, and when the green flag drops, we go.
1: This is Melinda Russell with Racing Girls Rock Podcast, and it's my honor today to have as my guest, Laura Klausner. Klausner, I still messed it up, Laura. You're going to have to pronounce your last name. So sorry. But um, I met Laura through social media and um, excited to hear about her and what she's doing and how she's involved in motorsports. You know, we don't just interview drivers here. (laughs) <laughs> Women are involved in motorsports in hundreds of different ways. And so um, we don't want girls to think that the only thing they can do is be the driver. We want them to understand that there are so many opportunities if they love motorsports, but maybe they're really not that good of a driver or they're not interested in being the driver. There's so many ways to get involved. And so, Laura, that's what I want you to speak to today is what you do, how you got started, why you love motorsports, sports, and I'm just going to let you take it away.
0: All right, <laughs> no problems. Well, as Melinda said, I'm Laura Clouser. I am the sports car racing program manager at General Motors, which means I have the privilege to be looking after our Corvette racing program, our Cadillac racing program, and then my little side job is the Camaro GT4 that we have running as well. So those are our three current sports car programs. Uh, very exciting. All of them run in the IMSA WeatherTech seri- the IMSA series WeatherTech for Cadillac and Corvette, the Michelin Pilot Challenge for the Camaro, and then we also have Camaros that are running over in Europe in SRO Europe. So um, they, uh, they they're a little bit more self motivated over there because it's harder to to work with them, especially right now with the pandemic. Um, but they uh, definitely are campaigning the cars and doing well. So we're excited about that. Okay, my job, go ahead.
1: So about how many cars are we talking that you're like in charge of?
0: Well, at the, the Daytona weekend that we just finished up at the end of January, there was nine cars, three Camaros, four Cadillacs and two Corvettes. Okay. All right. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Um, so my responsibility at GM is to, to look after the programs, but really to be the, the single source contact for the teams and the partners and everybody that, that works on these programs with us back to General Motors. Um, how we structure motorsports at GM, we reach out and we work with a bunch of partners, either through teams or you know chassis builders. In the case of the Cadillac, Delara builds the chassis for that car. And then we have ECR Engines is doing the engine with us to put in that vehicle. Uh, so it's, it's a big network and a lot of outside suppliers that we work with. So you need to have somebody back at the company that you know, can give these people access to what they need or to give them answers to their questions or you know, whatever the situation may be. I also control the budget for all the programs, which means I'm popular and hate it all at the same time, <laughs> depending on if I'm saying yes or no to request, of course. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's on my shoulders to make sure that we're spending money responsibly, that we're doing the best that we can efficiently to get as many wins and championships as possible, uh, which is good because I'm an engineer and I absolutely love math. So working with budgets and numbers is something I've been doing for a long time and and it's a good fit for me. Um, But then I'm also kind of the miscellaneous person that handles anything that doesn't have a specific name attached to it that, oh yeah, I would go talk to this person or this group usually lands in my lap. So it's a lot of my job day to day is making, it's different, every day is different. The requests that come in are different. I get to meet new people constantly because we always have new ideas that's coming through and we have to figure that out and track it down. Um, and then mainly just making sure that in a whole, in, in a whole package, our um, programs are all competitive and can get out there and win. So, I mean, in a nutshell, I'm in charge of making sure we win.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, and, and that's important because you got partners and you've got GM looking over your shoulder and they want to win, don't they? That's true of Absolutely. Anybody. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you end up in uh, Daytona? How did that weekend end
0: up for you guys? That weekend was an interesting one. It, it, It was my first time where I had both Cadillac and Corvette. I've had Cadillac now since 2017 and Corvette was the new ad that started this year. And I have never been in a situation where I've been so happy and so sad at the same time our corvettes won the race so proud of them the team ran a beautiful race uh, you could not have asked for better performance from everyone the mechanics the pit stops were fantastic the engineers made all the right calls the drivers drove the heck out of those cars and they kept it clean it was just it was exactly what you want for a daytona 24 you you could not have asked for anything better so proud of them, so excited for them. It was the first Daytona with the brand new car that we launched last year that we won. So that was exciting. Um, however, <laughs> the Cadillac program, they were they were right there. They were nipping at the heels of the leader. We had led the race for a long time in the various Cadillacs. And then there was a tire failure that occurred on basically the last lap. Yeah. And the one that was leading or was gonna be um, catching up and everything, he obviously could not continue as fast as he was. Right. And uh, we ended up placing second, which still very proud of all of them. They did a great job. We've got three teams that run the Cadillacs for us. Fantastic. But we were the defending champions at the Rolex. We had won every year since 17. So a little bittersweet to let that one go.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I watched, I actually saw the end of that race and what had watched some throughout didn't stay up the whole 24 hours, but I actually saw that. And, um, yeah, that was heartbreaking for that team. So can you share um, who your drivers are? Like, um, you know, who, dry, who drives the Cadillac and the Corvette? Names that we might be uh, recognized.
0: Well, the Corvette crew is pretty similar. We are we lucky that we're able to maintain great drivers in those cars regularly. Uh, we have had a little bit of some changes recently. We've, a couple drivers have retired into doing other things. Um, but in the, uh, the main drivers for Corvette, In the three cars, Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor. Um, Antonio has been with us a long time now. Um, So I think anyone who's familiar with the Corvette program would recognize that name. Jordan came on board last year. And uh, Jordan's been in and out of GM products. He he actually was in a Cadillac for uh, many years, uh, racing with his dad's team, Wayne Taylor Racing, which was the 10 car for the Cadillac. They actually just switched to Acura for this year. So, you know. We don't talk about them anymore. They're they're in a competitive (laughs) But um, yeah, so Jordan's in, in the Corvette. And then during the long races, Nikki Katzberg comes and races with them for the endurance. In the four car, Tommy Milner, who's been with us a long time, you know, does a fantastic job. And then we have a new driver this year, Nick Tandy, who we stole from Porsche. And uh, we're proud of that. He's he got in the car and he did great. No no regrets. And then for the long races, Alexander Sims is in there with them. Okay. So um, and it, it it was they again all of them. They, they ran such a beautiful race, and every driver really impressed us when they got in. They you know put their heads down. They drove. They communicated back the important stuff. They worked through the nuances that you need to when you're in a race car. And and they did they did great. It was. It, it, no complaints. <laughs> That's good. If they were they were proven that they needed to be in that car. They did a great job doing that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And then well, um, the ca- go ahead. The well, on the Cadillac thing. side, um, so the lineup for the Cadillacs, it ends up being a long list because there's four of them, but uh, we had a very interesting lineup for the Rolex. We had a mix of drivers from all over the place. In fact, in one car alone, they had an IndyCar driver, an F1P1 driver, a NASCAR driver, yeah. and a typical IMSA driver. And that was just in one car. <laughs>
1: so why don't you share with us who, those, who the NASCAR driver was? Because I have a lot of NASCAR people that, uh, and I know who it is, but I want you to share it
0: we actually had two we had the jimmy johnson who everyone knows and chase elliott was in a car as well
1: (laughs) okay so yes i forgot about chase but yes so jimmy johnson was on the team that finished second correct were they second correct yes 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 um i think he was pretty happy even though they should have won or could have won I think he was pretty excited about even getting a second place for his first time. So it's fun to be able to see those NASCAR drivers racing with your series. So, um, yeah. So do you get to go to the race, or COVID keeps you away?
0: No, I'm there. Um, I'm in the paddock bubble, and uh, which is good. It's I. It's been such an experience dealing with the pandemic um and i know that my heart goes out to the fans one of the best things about IMSA racing and sports car racing in general is how accessible we are Mm -hmm. especially compared to some of the other series like NASCAR where there's a very clear divide you know that that they put up and and they have to because they're just a different format but for us the, the fans being in and out of the paddock and being right up close to us in the garages is something we're used to and something we appreciate and love I mean, it's, yeah. I will say this, with being locked down, it is a little easier to move the cars around because you don't have to park the sea of people. But on the flip side, we don't have the young kids coming up with their hero cards to be signed or, you know, the fan that just wants to talk about stuff and they're excited. And we miss that energy that we get from having the fans with us. And I, I can't wait until we can get these vaccines rolled out and we can get on with our lives. I'm ready.
1: <laughs> yeah, because, you know, uh, and and racing in general, we have more access, okay? So even if you're just watching on television, you know the, the announcers, let's say Dale Jr. can talk to the driver that's, that just won the stage or he's getting ready to go to the green flag. So we have more access there and yes, like IMSA or drag racing, a lot of those, you're, you have full access to the drivers, the crew, the garage, whatever more than any other sport when you compare it to football or basketball you're not talking to those players before they go out on the field no. to playing, <laughs> or you know at halftime or whatever and i just think that's something that our sport delivers to the fans they don't get anywhere else and not being able to do that um it does it hurts i think you're you know we're trying to build the interest right all the series, we're trying to get more people to the races, more people to understand that racing is for everyone, even women, which is what I'm trying to do. You know, it's not just a guy thing. And yet the, you know, with the pandemic, we've had to back (laughs) off, you know, last year, I was supposed to have quite a number of events at tracks geared towards women, letting them know that, Hey, it's, it's for you too. had to cancel everything. So, I'm excited to get these vaccines out. I actually had COVID in the right after Christmas and I went through it. Luckily I never ended up in the hospital, but it's a real thing and we need those vaccines and we need everybody to participate and and get through this. And so, you know, you want those fans back, not only in the stands, but wouldn't it be great to have to part the Red Sea there of people to to get the car through because it, it just means so much to them, you know? As a fan, to be able to see your favorite driver up close and personal is a big deal. As, we, as I've gotten to know some, we start to take it for granted a little bit, like you and I or others, because we see them or talk to them all the time and we know they're just another person. They're not, <laughs> you know, they just are. But to that, that fan who's never met their favorite driver, it's a big deal, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about a race day. What do you do when you're at the track? Let's say you were, you know, you were at the Daytona uh, 24 hours. Are you up the whole time? What are you doing when you're there?
0: Well, so my job actually is two part. There's a part that happens before we get to the track at all. Uh, which is a regular race by race. And that's working with uh, balance of performance and all of that in the background. I represent either Chevrolet or Cadillac, depending on, on the, um, the class. And, you know, we, we look through data, we work with the sanctioning body. We, we determine what all that's supposed to be. And there's a lot of work that goes into that behind the scenes. There's phone calls, there's, you know, discussions back and forth. So I always laugh and say that the hard part of my job gets done about a week and a half before we even show up on site. Mm -hmm. But when I get on site, that's where it really turns into, I think I might know what I'm doing that day, but it it could be anything. It just depends on what's happening. Daytona is a good example. We were actually down there for two weeks because we ran the roar before the 24, the weekend before and then just stayed. So a lot of my day was um, dealing with any issues that the teams had getting through tech. Um, The cars are all homologated per, you know, GM and and the chassis suppliers that we work with. So typically, if there's a concern with a car, they're going to call us in to come talk about it. Um, Sometimes it's a team specific thing and they deal with it, but most of the time we're there with them. Um, So I was doing a lot of that. Uh, a lot of preparing for um, making sure that we had some of our our big executives were coming down for the races they do, and especially with COVID, we had to make sure we had everything set up properly, and that you know we knew where they could and couldn't go, and and you know making sure they had what they needed. Um, they're the reason that we get to race because they see value in it for the company, and that's a fantastic thing, and we love to encourage that. Um, so you know, working through all that stuff working through uh, any type of race preparation in general, making sure the teams had all the parts that they need, that if there was anything that we found odd in the roar that we were able to quickly adapt and take care of it for the Rolex. Um, and that everyone was kind of staying on the right path. It's funny, I think one of the things that you can do to hurt you the most is to overthink things. Um, these guys are all great, They uh, guys and girls, mostly guys, unfortunately still, but um, they all know what they're doing. And it's, if you give them too much time, they start to second guess themselves. (laughs) And that's where we really run into problems. So it's a lot of just, you know, reminding, hey, that idea you came up with, that was a good one. Let's just stick with it. We don't need to reinvent this. Um, But, you know, and they all walk themselves through that too. But so it's a lot of that. And then really just whatever my next text message or phone call or email has that I need to go look at, it's dealing with all of that. So, um, and also what I've found right now, especially with COVID, since we're so limited with travel, the racetrack's one of the few places where we get to see each other in person. So we take advantage of that and we, we have a lot of those conversations that, you know, maybe I would have taken a trip to, to North Carolina or wherever I needed to go to have, um, and we take care of it on site. So it's really made the weekends extra busy, but it's been good because it's nice to sit down with somebody in a relaxed setting and, and to go through, whatever, the crisis du jour or even planning stuff for the future and talking about, you know, what are we going to be doing mid-year? What's next year look like? All of that stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that being able to see face-to-face, I mean, you can text, you can email, you can even call or even Zoom like we're doing, but it's not the same as face-to-face. And it's it's just so much better to be able to get those conversations out and discuss when you can be together. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I kind of, and so do you have any like sponsor duties? Like um, I know they don't allow very many of those in at the tracks, at least uh, NASCAR is not. Are any of your like primary like sponsors on your cars, are they allowed to come to the races or not?
0: It it depends on um, the race. Each track has been handling things a little bit differently. Uh, When we were at Sebring, In November last year, we did have a a couple representatives from mobile that were there, you know, then their uh, sponsor for the Corvette program. Now it was their race. It's the mobile 12 hours of Sebring. So I I would think that they were going to make every effort to make sure they got there. Um, And Daytona, I think there's a little bit sprinkled in and out. I know that um, I saw the Whalen's, Sonny and his wife at uh, from they sponsored the 31 Cadillac. So they were able to come in. I think he had just gotten his vaccine. And so that's great. A, a lot of what we dealt with is um, there's sponsors that maybe we could have gotten them on the roster to be there with us. But from a, a safety standpoint, it just didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So now that people are starting to get vaccines, I think we'll be able to see some come a little bit more. Um, Ken Thompson and his wife, Brenda, from Mustang Sampling that are on the five Cadillac. Uh, they're at every race. They're They're an integral part of the team. I mean, I think Ken calls the race as much as some of the engineers sitting on there sometimes. So, you know, it, it, it's been a mix of who's been there and who hasn't, but um, it was really nice to see some faces we hadn't seen all year at Daytona. So I'm hoping that as we get into it and more people are getting their vaccines, we'll, we'll get back to seeing a lot more people.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. I know that, um, you know, a lot of the other race tracks, like even small tracks last year, our, our little track close to us didn't even get to race last year and so now they're gearing up for 2021 and hopefully they'll be able to race and have at least some fans you know attend because they can't keep making those payments on those tracks about yeah. activity going on and so you know i'm hoping too that with the vaccine we get get people back because my granddaughter's race and so i want them to get back in the car too yeah you know so um what are some things that, you know, we gear our, our podcast towards women and why women are are or should be or can be involved in motorsports. So, Laura, what would be your impact on women encouraging, encouraging them to find a role in motorsports? Is, is it a good um, career path to take? And, and how would you tell people to do that?
0: I think that's a loaded question with motorsports being a good career path. It's a tough career path. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people that are in motorsports, it's a family affair. And it's something that it's just you grew up with it. So you, uh, you know the lifestyle. It's, it's a, you're part of the traveling circus, basically, if you're going to the track. Um, and now I, I don't have any background in racing. I just kind of found my way to it on my own. Uh, but I love it. I love the traveling lifestyle. I love all of that. And in terms of, of having women involved, if it's something that intrigues you or you're passionate about or, or something that you want to explore, go for it. It's a, uh, it's a great field. It's a tough field, but I think it's something that even if you spend only a little bit of time in it and then your priorities shift or you want to, you're going to be better for it. You have to make quick decisions in racing because you don't have time to stop and, and really dwell on things. It's the green flag falls when it falls and the checker falls when it falls and you can't affect that. It's, it is what it is. So I've learned a lot about having to quickly think through things to trust my gut because sometimes you don't have time to spend all those hours you know, researching um, and really understanding who's good people to, to go to when you have to make decisions quickly and get good input and all of that it's been a great way to build relationships. Uh, the people that are in this are so passionate and that's a good and bad thing. It's good because they're always focused on doing what they can. And that's exciting because you have people that are willing to, to do anything, give up sleep, you know, give up their lives. It it, it, they're there, but on the flip side, when they're angry, Oh God, the passion comes out that way too. So you have to be able to, to balance some of that, but it's taught me a lot about how to interact better in general with uh, with others, and that's something when I'm back at GM headquarters and I'm talking to people on the production side who live a very different life. You know, I, a lot of those lessons I've learned from that negotiation skills, um, you know, how to respectfully disagree, especially in the heat of an argument, and all of that. And and it's it's just been it's been phenomenal. If you're into the strategy or the engineering or data or any of that. I mean that's what racing has become all about yes. so much of it is done with the computer right now simulation work that we do back at the shops um all of that stuff and it's huge and it's a big part of success especially with the pandemic we had to show up ready to race because we didn't have as much track time anymore so i mean there's so many different avenues and different ways you can be involved in racing and if it's something that you love go for it give it a go i thankfully it, i want it to be a part of it i found a way to take my production GM career and shift into motorsports and then work through that. Um, and I'm hoping that as we continue to progress, there'll be more opportunities. And it won't matter if you're a male or female or or what you know nationality you are or anything along those lines. It's if you want to go after it and you're the right fit for the, the job that you'll be able to have the opportunity.
1: Exactly. So you're an engineer, so why don't you tell me a little bit about where you went to school and and how you, what how, what were the steps to get you to the
0: job you have today? Gotcha. I went to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, which is up near Albany, New York. Um, I'm a mechanical engineer from there. And when I was in college, I was a member of my school's Formula SAE team. So Formula SAE is a college project. It's a global, so we have teams all over the world in various universities. And basically you design, build and compete with a formula style race car. So we started with a, a blank piece of paper and a rules book and then morphed that into an open wheel, you know, tube chassis car that we hand built ourselves. Yeah, everyone had a job. Uh, I was not the welder or anything like that cause I don't have the patience but I was pretty good at um, sanding down things and uh, you know, doing a little bit of work on the machines and stuff. But uh, then you compete at one of the SAE competitions, the big ones in Michigan, and uh, we're hoping that that it still happens this year. It's been a lot of drama, obviously, with the pandemic for those things, too. Um, But that being a part of that program is really what got me excited about motorsports and what planted the seed for wanting to be a part of that. But it also was my foot in the door to General Motors, because of how good that project is and how it helps build your expertise beyond just your textbook learning, you know, you have to learn how to work with other people, you have to take a a problem that, you know, well, I've got this piece and this piece and they have to fit together and the CAD says they fit together, but the tolerances didn't work out so well. So it's a good reality check that you know we have to live in the um, computer world and then you have to be able to translate that into the tangible world to to get things done. Um, So GM prioritizes people that do projects like that and if you want to come and do an internship or if you want to you know look into full-time employment with GM having something like that on your resume is really important and I know it's not just GM there's a lot of companies that that see the value in that and that ultimately is what has helped me you know get into the automotive industry start working for GM spent a couple ye- well more than a couple I spent 8 years on the production side working on various things and then found my way back to motorsports but again being a part of formula SAE as a student and then I still volunteer and I work on the competition to this day I think is what made me interesting when they were choosing candidates to interview for the motorsports job so When when you find a passion like that, embrace it and stick with it and let people know you're sticking with it. And I think that'll carry you along.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And don't get discouraged because there's there were probably a lot of no's or things that didn't go exactly how you wanted during that transition to get you where you are today because you did stick with it. And yeah, you also you have to let people know who you are and what you're all about. If you sit back and and you're quiet, um, you're gonna get passed over you've got to, you've got to speak up for
0: yourself, don't you? Absolutely. It's self-confidence and being your own advocate is really important. And, I, and there's a line, I mean, there's a point where you get obnoxious about it, but I think, you know, most of us, especially the technical people that tend to be a little quieter, err on the side of staying quiet. And you have to, You have to be ready to put yourself out there and and share the world share with the world what your passions are. And it's funny if you, you tell enough people they'll you'll end up migrating where you want to go just because enough people knew that's where you're headed.
1: (laughs) And you, you know what? You never know who you're talking to, who they know. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You know, you could just be having a casual conversation with someone about your dog And the next thing you know, you know, they're like, well, what do you do for a living? Oh, this is what I do, but I'm really passionate about this. Well, hey, my, my college roommate was so-and-so, I mean, you just never know who you're talking to and who do they know. So it's, it's a, it's a big world out there, but I find that, you know, it's a lot smaller than, than we think, because there's always somebody that knows somebody, you know, or, grew up in kalamazoo where i live or whatever i mean it's it's just crazy so um i'm interested to to uh come to a race so as soon as those pandemic things are over laura i want to come to the infield and hang out with you and watch what you do at one of your race weekends and so we've got to get that figured out when things get settled down or however the new (laughs) our new lives are going to be But um, anything, is there anything that I haven't asked you or shared or talked about that you would like to make sure people know about, about yourself, your job, motorsports, anything at all?
0: I mean, I I think you hit all all the high ones. It's uh, it's a very um, exciting place to be. And I think especially right now. If you look at what's going on in the automotive industry, clearly things are changing. What we've been doing for a hundred years is going to have to get shifted. And motorsports and and the industry are linked. Now they're not carbon copies of each other. There's things you can do in motorsports that you could never do in the industry, and vice versa. But I think that if you were going to have such a big change happening in the foundation for motorsports, you know, the auto industry then it's it's likely that things are gonna to have to follow in motorsports. We need to make sure that we find a way that the technology stays relevant and that the consumer base, the fans, that they see the value in and what we're doing and and all of that. So I am thrilled to be part of this right now and working to figure out, you know, what GM's future is in motorsports, as well as just in general, where the sports going. I think in the next five to 10 years, we're gonna see some neat changes that just like we're seeing in the auto industry that that show you know a little bit more world view and all of that good stuff and and i i can't wait um you know i i love what we have today give me that big v8 coming out of one of our race cars that that it's music it's absolutely music and it's hard to think about that not being the case when you go to the racetrack and maybe it will, always will be you know we're not sure where this is going but I just, I'm just excited for the idea that everyone's aware of all the stuff from a global view, and then how that's going to get incorporated back in.
1: Yeah, you know, it's the sights, the sounds, and the smells is what I say that hooks you um, on racing. You know, my husband and I, when we, first, when I even before I started IWMA, we would go to the racetrack, and of course we sat in the grandstand and whatever. Well, in, now, because of what I do, we go to the garage and the pit and the infield. So we do not even sit in the grandstands anymore. We stay in the <laughs> infield and, and, you know, sometimes just watch the big screen, but I still have the sights and the sounds and the smells, but I still, and then I have the big screen with the replay. So it's a perfect world, you know, for me, but um, we, we love doing that. So whether you enjoy watching from the grandstand, or you want to go to the infield there's a place for everybody there's a place for women it's not just your husband's sport you know <laughs> go along and check it out and i guarantee if you just can get those women to the racetrack one time most likely they're going to come back wouldn't you agree
0: oh absolutely it's it's it, once you're hooked you're hooked though be ready it bites you and it bites you hard
1: <laughs> exactly yeah you've got you've got race fuel running through your veins instead of blood so yeah <laughs> absolutely well laura i'm so glad we had a chance to talk today and that we connected i've really enjoyed talking to you and i will be at an IMSA race at some point and if you ever get to kalamazoo or that way i want you to give me a call and we're going to have lunch because we're not that far apart and um Please stay in touch and good luck this year. I'll be watching, you know, from TV or wherever I can keep track of, of your series and, um, and good luck and, and we'll see you soon, hopefully at the track.
0: Thank you. That would be great. I can't wait. I can't wait for everyone to come back.
1: (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, you have a good, good weekend and we'll hopefully talk soon.
0: Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Follow us on Facebook at International Women's Motorsports Association or on Instagram and Twitter at the IWMA Nation. And if you know someone that should be on our show, drop us an email at Nation at gmail.com.